What are your writing dreams? Finishing that book, quitting the day job, becoming a best-selling author? Well, over four years, we've studied the advice of over 300 best-selling authors who've collectively sold over half a billion books. And we are excited to announce the Best Seller Academy. If you're ready to take your writing to the next level with accountability, craft, and coaching, your bestseller dreams are now only a click away. To find out more and apply, visit bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. That's bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this special episode from the archives. This is a golden oldie full of great evergreen advice for writers. It's a rerun, basically. Whilst we work on something very, very special. Or very, very special indeed. We were so young and naive, weren't we, Mark? Oh, we were, but our guests, our guests were brimming with wisdom. So enjoy! And we'll be back next week with a brand spanking new episode of The Bestseller Experiment. Let's run the show! And welcome to The Bestseller Experiment, where we discover what makes a best-selling novel while trying to write, publish, and market one in just a year. I'm Mark Stay. And I'm Mark DeVoe, and welcome to this very special episode. We've got some really exciting guests today. We've got some industry guests and some author guests. So, Mark, tell us, who have we got live in the studio today with us? Well, one of the most common questions you get from authors who aren't yet published or don't have an agent is, how do I get an agent? So I thought it'd be fun if we could get an agent along to the show. And our agent today is the wonderful Federica Leonardis, who is founder of Martin Leonardis Literary Management, uh, who was uh, born and bred in Rome, but is now based in London. And we've been very lucky in that she's brought one of her authors along with us, too. Fantastic. And I'd like to introduce Sonia Lally, who's actually from Canada. Sonia, we've swapped places. I don't know who should be more jealous. <laughs> Maybe they've like got one in, a one in, one out policy. And, uh, but, so I'm sitting here just for people that are maybe tuning into the show for the first time. Uh, through the magic of the internet, I'm actually based on Vancouver Island in Canada, whilst our three amazing other people on the podcast are based in London. And um, But anyway, I want to introduce Sonia a bit more because Sonia is actually from Saskatoon, where they make some incredible berry jam. I just got to put that in there. Um, <laughs> I often have that on my toast. Um, and Sonia created, Sonia created a completed an MA in creative writing and publishing at City University last year, which so she's based now in London, currently works as a journalist, but she has got her debut novel coming out, a novel called The Arrangement, which will be published by Ryan, coming out in summer of 2017. So congratulations, Sonia. You, you've, you must be really excited. Oh, thank you. Yes, I'm, um, I still doesn't feel quite real. Uh, the publishing process is a moving target, so I still feel like like I'm working towards it in some way, but it's nice now to have Federica by my side to sort of calm me down when I go a little crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. Welcome, Federica. You're literally by her side right now, aren't you? <laughs> I am. Yes. Yes. Always. <laughs> so let's, let's get straight to the point, shall we? Uh, how do we get an agent? It's <laughs> <laughs> the question everyone asks. You go to any writing convention. Yeah, yeah. How, how do you get an agent? Can you write? Um, that's still open to a question, but yes, I, I, I think I can. 
Well, in that case, yes, you can get an agent. Okay. But you have to get the right agent. Okay. So that that is interesting because I've heard this a few times. It's it's a bit like dating. I, you know, if I'm kind of a desperate, lonely person and someone takes an interest in me, the the likelihood is that's who I'm going to latch on. In fact, that's how I got married. Uh, <laughs> um, so you, you're advising not to jump on the first person who comes along. Well, it's a bit. It is a bit like dating or a bit getting, you know, getting married. You might be lucky and fall in love at first sight and get together with, you know, your first boyfriend or girlfriend. I just that is what happened to me. Just in case my wife is listening to this, I did. It was love at first. Sight. I was very, very lucky, dear. Thank you. Oh dear. <laughs> I hope she feels the same. Um, so it could, it can be the same. It can, you know, it can be love at first sight, or you might have to kiss a few frogs and uh, find the right one. But I absolutely uh, recommend making sure that um, you, you, you know, you get the right agent, the right agent for you. I mean, it's not, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a misconception that, you know, um, any agent will do. Um, you know, an agent is an agent, but actually, no, you have to find somebody who, an author has to find somebody who can, um, share their vision for the book. You know, I can see the book going the same direction, can see your career going the same direction. Um, that's very, very important because otherwise it's a recipe for disaster. So, Sonia, how, how did uh, you know that Federica was the right agent for you? Well, um, I didn't. Like any, uh, <laughs> any good dater, you have to be a little bit sceptical at first. Um, I'd had my heart broken before, a lot of... Uh, a lot of broken hearts. And so um, I think I knew it when Federica and I first went for lunch. And she was talking about how much she enjoyed the book, where she saw there was room to grow, what I needed to work on. And she brought up my favorite book, um, Me Before You by Gio Moyes, and said that sh- this is the book she thought about. And that was the book that I had kept by my desk when I was writing the arrangement. And so I thought, if she's thinking of that exact same thing, this has to be right. I remember that lunch. Um, I was very excited and you were very, very nervous. Um, I was very excited because I, um, Sonia's novel got to me via the anthology of the MA she had attended. So the, the university sent out the anthology and I saw her, you know, extract and loved the idea immediately and I loved her little biography and it was so um, natural so her um, just spoke to me so I, I emailed her asked her for the full manuscript loved the themes loved the writing loved the humor behind it and um and so, yeah, I want to have lunch. And I think I came across as a slightly over-enthusiastic puppy. I'm like, can I, can I, rep- can I represent you? Can I, can I, can I, can I? Can I? <laughs> but, uh, so, but I have to say, I put her through a series of grueling rewriting and edits. And it, it, it must have been really hard for her to hold her nerve, to keep the fade. You know, at the end of the day, I was telling her to change this, move this, you know, make more of this, less of that. And, you know, 
she, she, she <laughs> and she did it all. She passed the test. Well, I passed the test. <laughs> so, Sonia, what was that like as an experience as an author, having to go through the be put through the ringer by your by your agent? Um, well, it was good that I'd sort of gone back to work after that, and I was working in London, actually at an office five minutes away from Federica's old office, so that was very convenient. And so I did have other things to focus on. I started to meet people in London. I had a bit of a social life, whereas the first year I moved here, I didn't really know that many people, so I didn't really, I couldn't really do anything but write. Um, but it was... It was good because I everything she suggested uh, was in line with what I wanted the book to accomplish. And I think I sort of had to learn as we went that, you know, I had made up a story, but, you know, I'm not a publishing person. I'm not an editor. I'm not a marketer. Um, I couldn't make a book on my own. So I think I had to sort of let go of a lot and sort of trust her and then now that I'm with Orion, trust them to sort of know what's best because, you know, I'm, I'm not a publisher. And that's the most difficult thing, you know, when they say kill your darlings, mm -hmm. you have to learn to let go of your story. There's there's a fantastic quote that I, I heard and I don't know who's it by. And it says, you, you, um, you write at least three drafts. One is for yourself, one is for your reader and one is for your agent. And I, I, it's, it, it made sense immediately as soon as I heard it, you know. You, and draft after draft, you have to learn to let go of the things that don't serve you. Um, and I, I can imagine that as a writer, that must be really difficult because there, are, there might be things you get very attached and you go, oh, you know, I wrote that scene and, you know, look at me, you know, that's very good. But actually that doesn't serve your story, doesn't move your story forward. You have to learn to let, to let go. And I, I can't even begin to imagine how hard that must be. You know, it's easy. Sorry, it's easy for me to say, yeah, cut that or, you know, move that. And, you know, when you're, you've poured your time and heart and soul <laughs> into that it must be really hard so while you were doing your ma sonia had did any of the course cover stuff like this getting an agent and kind of the realities of, of that uh yes it did so i i did a ma that was focused on both creative writing and publishing um so only part of the course was actually focused on creative writing so i i learned i learned a lot about the publishing process through that um but again, I think that because my focus was to to write a book and not to sort of work in the publishing industry, um, I sort of had to, I couldn't really focus and dwell on that stuff too much because you can get carried away thinking about the future and thinking about things that haven't happened yet before you actually finish the book. So I remember I bought um, Writers and Artists Yearbook, um, and I think I was only halfway through my novel at that point, and I had to force myself to set it aside and not actually read it instead of, instead of write because, you know, I was never going to get to use that book if I didn't finish it. That's true. I mean, that is when we come back to the how do you get an agent question, which you still haven't really answered, Federica. Um, that's often the first thing they say is go to the Writers and Artists Yearbook, uh, which is a fantastic publication, which lists all the agents, the kind of authors they, they manage and look after and their submission guidelines and stuff like that. Is that still one of the first things you recommend? Um, yes, it's one of the first things I would recommend. Um, another very useful thing to do is to go through the your favorite novels uh, or novels in the same 
area, you know, where you're writing, and read the acknowledgement and spot the agent. That's, that is something that I shouldn't say this. I do when I, you know, I want to see who edited book so you know editors agent um they are usually are in the acknowledgement and that's very useful and you go and say oh you know that agent uh representing the area i want to be published in or like roughly these themes and you have to collect a certain amount of you know books or knowledge in in that area i don't know how you call it um yeah and start with those so you've you've gone through books, you've gone through writers and artists here, but you've got a list of uh, potential agents. So then I guess you send in a letter or an email. Uh, what are the common mistakes that people make when submitting to, to agents? The cardinal sin of submitting to an agent is not reading the submission guidelines. The second cardinal sin is to be rude. Rude? Yes, to be over familiar, or and the third is trying too hard. It is exactly like asking somebody on a date. Okay, how do you uh, you know how do you open? Do you open with a joke? Do you open with a compliment? Do you go for the hard sell? You know, everyone's got style. Everyone's got a technique. So. But you have to go with the opening that it's more you, you know, don't second guess yourself. Don't second guess the agent because you don't know the agent you're emailing. So you don't know. I mean, you know what they represent, but you don't know who they are, what they like. So don't try too hard. Don't try to second guess them. Did you, what sort of, what were your first submission letters like, Sonia? I don't want to. I don't want to read them. Actually, I I have a file somewhere on my computer. I think that I took the uh, the approach where I tried it to sound like I was applying for a job. Um, I don't know if that's a good technique or not. Uh, again, I didn't. I didn't actually submit to Federica. I just sort of got rejected by by loads of other agents. Um, and it was the best thing that could have happened because, like you said, it you sort of find the one serendipitously. But. I think because you don't know the agent personally, I mean, sometimes you do and that's fine. But, you know, if you don't know the agent, I would always recommend be polite. Double check spelling of names. Always. Um, you know, just be polite. Tell, tell me what your novel is about. I know you're emailing me because you want me to represent you. So there's no need to say that. Um Tell me a bit about you. Tell me a bit about your novel. That's all I need to know. That's it. I don't need to try any harder. Does it also help, though, when you're writing to an agent to do a bit of research about the agent and talk a bit in the letter about why they're approaching you specifically? I mean, does, have you ever had a letter that's actually said, I'm actually approaching you, Federica, because... Because that, um, that for me, that would really stand uh, out. Yes and no. That's a tricky question. Yes and no, because... Uh, you know, for instance, I had somebody say, oh, I'm representing you because you represent Sonia and Sonia is Canadian and I'm Canadian. You know, the fact that Sonia is Canadian, it's, 
it's a bit irrelevant to me to a certain extent. You know, I don't represent mm. her because she's Canadian. But if they talked about that they re- they were approaching you because they've read this book by one of their favourite authors, who you are the agent of, and that's why they'd like. I mean, does that does that connect more deeply with you than just the kind of um writing to? to um, you know, no, not necessarily. No, um, the only decision. Sorry, the only. Um, criteria is whether i like the book and i think i can sell it okay i'll i'll, I'll rip up that letter then <laughs> <laughs> nice try mark nice try federica can you give us an example of a really bad submission letter the kind of thing you really shouldn't say i happen to have here an example this is on the extreme end of the spectrum okay um and it is pretty extreme. And it was a blanket submission. What, what does that mean for, for people who don't um, When somebody submits to every agent in an agency and every agent, and, and we discovered that this person submitted to every agent every, in every agency in London <laughs> and wow. possibly in the US as well. <laughs> so... Um, I can, I, I'll read, uh, Mark will read a few snippets of it. Yeah, okay. okay. Can you read my handwriting? Oh, oh gosh, it's, it's all in capital letters. Okay. So I, I, I probably shouldn't shout this because, uh, you know, but <clears throat> everybody is waiting for my book in many countries. I promise you, if you don't represent <laughs> my books and get me a publishing deal, I will die alone right now. You will have to represent me. Please don't waste my time. I've been writing for over four years. Please don't test my patience as I don't have much of other things with me. I can be your new client. Least put me on your long list. Hope you can do that. You will have to represent me. You have no choice. (laughs) (laughs) Is this for real? (laughs) It's for real. Right now, I want a publisher. Please don't test my patience. Don't, what does that say? Don't waste my time. I can be all yours. I can be all (laughs) yours. Oh, my gosh. So this uh, person goes on for uh, three (laughs) other pages. And uh, this person sent other emails um, adding to uh, the original email. Um, and this is, a, this is actually a very good example of what not to do. <laughs> you think. <laughs> so so what, was wrong, what was wrong with that letter? It sounded perfectly fine to me. <laughs> Mark, you've got to stop sending these to people. Wait at least until we've no, written sorry, the book. I, I didn't realise. You have no uh, choice. I, the, my, my caps lock was broken on the keyboard. I'm that is absolutely unbelievably brilliant. Um, that is incredible. Oh, Thank you for sharing. I'm actually in pain with my stomach muscles from laughing so hard. I had to turn the <laughs> microphone off during whilst Mark was reading it. Wait, 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 wait. With the help of my loving readers, I will crush my haters like a meatball in mouth. mouth. <laughs> 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 Once I get old, I will really not be able to write books, and then I'm going to die alone, and you will be cursed. (laughs) (laughs) There are more who are not showing it openly, but deep inside they want to work with me. They are just under pressure from few jerks that want to press me. (laughs) 
Oh, that is brilliant. I, th- I think this. I think this person left a review of our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure I recognise the style. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Um, so, yes, that's obviously a big no. Um, the person called as well. Um, yes, several times. It got very confrontational. Call Calling is a big no-no. There are a couple of things that people outside publishing don't necessarily understand, but simply because they don't, you know, they don't, they don't know publishing. Um, there's no reason why they should know. We don't make money reading the slush pile. The, the, the slush pile is an industry term for unsolicited submission, submission that we haven't requested. So obviously, they are our lowest priority. Our priority are always um, our clients, uh, existing clients. So <laughs> there are authors or writers who called and emailed, but I sent you a submission a week ago. Why haven't you read it yet? If something is on the slush pile, though, how, how long can someone expect to wait for a, a response, even if it's just a general thanks but no thanks? Usually um, submission guidelines give an idea of you know, waiting time. I, for instance, on my website, I have eight weeks, I think. I try my best to respond quicker than that. But Sonia, you've been through this. You've sat through those eight weeks looking at the email inbox, waiting for some kind of response. What's that like? That must be pretty painful. My phone died very quickly every day because I was constantly refreshing my email. Um, (laughs) It was was very, it, it tested my patience. It made me grow a lot in the sense that I sort of had to realize that, you know, you can't you can't always have what you want. Things don't actually always work out the thing, the way that you hope they will or in the best case scenario. So, um, yeah, I've, I've been there and I, I definitely empathize with, with writers who are currently looking for an agent and, and the, how that waiting game can be. Did you do you have any sort of coping strategies that you can pass on to them? Did you just get on with the next thing, or did you distract yourself some other way? Well, I was just um, I was just starting work again after the MA, so I, I had work to distract me, um, and you know I I tried meditation. I mean, it wasn't. I don't know if I'm old enough for meditation yet. <laughs> Mark's a meditator. He's yeah. and he's he's definitely old enough for it. <laughs> Never too. Well, <laughs> well, I I tried. Not, I mean, I don't meditate, but I just tried to be more aware that there was nothing that in this moment that I could change. That, you know, some agent somewhere maybe at some point would be reading my submission, but I have no control over that. And all I can do right now is do my own thing, you know, if that means starting another book, if that means revising your current manuscript, then, then, then focus on that. Focus on what you can control. Sonia, deep down... I know we all have our self-sabotages and we all think, oh, it's never going to happen. But deep down, did you have a belief at some level that this was going to happen, that you were going to find an agent, you were confident enough in your work that someone would be there for you? I think I had that belief in a very naive way, in the sense that I had that belief before I moved to London and did the MA and sort of realized what publishing and writing actually meant. Um, And so I just had to I just had to keep up with that, just sort of keep up with that habit of of writing and, and learning as much as I could, reading a lot. Um, 
but I, I, I guess, I guess I did. I mean, you have to have, you have to have faith in yourself. I think it was one of your guests um, a few weeks ago who said you have to have sort of a mix of, uh, of confidence and arrogance with sort of incredible self-doubt. And that's, it's constantly that battle that, that totally rang true for me. This is, a, this is a topic that I think about a lot because uh, both writer's life and the agent's life are lives of rejection. That's pure and simple. Um, and you have to find a way of coping with rejection, uh, to not let rejection define you as a professional in my case or as a writer in her case. And you just have to find a way of moving on because otherwise it's very much like actors. You know, if you want to be an actor, you have to take into account that you will be rejected. It's just, it's part of the game. And and it can take years, you know. There are actors who took years to get their break. You know, George Clooney was in his mid-30s and now we can barely imagine life without him. Well, <laughs> That was, that was said with uh, considerable passion there, Frederick. But, no, but, yeah, but you know what I mean. You know, it's, it's one of those things and it's part of the game. And, you know, you can't be an actor without being rejected. Auditions, auditions you think you, you had nailed and they're not working. And as a writer, if you can't cope with rejection, you can't play this game. You know, if, you, know, if you can't take the heat. Are there, again, are there strategies you can, how do you, two-part question, how do you break it to uh, an author that, you know, they've been turned down by a publisher and uh, what, what are the kind of, again, coping strategies that you would suggest to them to, 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 to cope with that? First of all, there are many, many reasons why a publisher may turn, turn down a book. And very often the reasons have nothing to do with the book itself, with the quality of the book itself. It could be because um, they have something similar on the list or um, simply they didn't connect with the story. I mean, at the end of the day, this is, a, this is an industry based on personal opinion and personal taste. Um, what I remember saying to Sonia when I started submission of her book, and I said, forget about this. Forget about this because this is going to be much harder for you than it is for me because I can do something about it. I can call editors and can, you know, can make, you know, work on the pitch, uh, find other editors. It's much harder for you waiting for me to email and say somebody, you know, somebody's thinking of offering. And I said, stop writing, stop writing another book. I said, immediately start writing a book, forget about this. And did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, listened to mo I listened to her most of the time, but <laughs> I, I thought about it constantly. I, can't, I couldn't control myself. But I was lucky in that I was back in, in Saskatoon uh, eating some berries, um, <laughs> visiting my family at the time. And so, uh, you know, it, I had a lot of good distractions um, you know, during that process. Sonia, well, I'd like to also ask you about, because I know a lot of our listeners are really interested in the kind of behind the scenes processes. So 
Let's go back to that meeting that you had with Federica. Uh, what happens next? So you you, you connected, um, presumably, Federica, you would have made an offer. Then, uh, Sonia, what, what then happened? Did you have to go through paperwork, negotiations? How does it actually work? Um, well, I mean, Federica said that she came off like a desperate puppy, but I remember her playing hard to get in my memory. I don't know. Um, it comes out now. So <laughs> I obviously overcompensated. <laughs> so, so we met for lunch um, and uh, she said that she had some suggestions and wanted me to work on them and what, what, what did I think about them. And so I think a few weeks later she sent me, you know, a, a marked up copy of, of the manuscript. And then I went through that and there were... There were a few changes and it was it was hard to it was hard to see because I mean you never want to you never want to be told something isn't isn't good enough but you know I, I knew that she believed in me and so for a couple of months in the evenings on the weekends I I worked on that and then after Federica sort of saw that new version of the manuscript and it was sort of going in the right direction um, she made me an offer and I and I couldn't refuse <laughs> excellent I was definitely an overenthusiastic puppy but I. The, the I always try to, to compensate because I know that I try to put myself in a writer's position. You know, they probably had rejections and, you know, somebody say, I like your novel. It's really a light in, you know, in the dark. But going back to the original, you know, question, how do you get the right agent? If I had said, oh, forget about everything, forget about everything else, everyone else, um, I want to be your agent. That wouldn't have been very honest of me. You know, I wanted her to make an informed decision. I wanted her to know what I thought she needed to do in order to make the novel marketable. And I didn't want her to jump on, you know, on this decision. But also a very important element for me is to know whether an author can listen. Okay. I know she could write, but could she listen? And 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 did she agree with 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 my vision of the book, with my my edit? And that's very, very important. And she could have said, Oh, I'm not sure I like the direction you want to take this book and could, and would have been fine. It would have been very sad. <laughs> <laughs> very, very sad. Very sad, Poppy. Mark, we've got a you. You've got a long list of questions here, which yeah. we thought we might do a quick fire round. Yeah. So, do you want to absolutely? Wanna so we're going to do this. We're going to do this as a. This is kind of like some really, really kind of quick questions just to get the, the the low and dirty on on what happens in the agency world so you'll have to tell me if some of these you don't want to answer Federica I totally understand <laughs> and, and Sonia feel free to jump in at any time as well okay so yeah yeah Sonia if you just if you're saying the reality I love this I love this kind of like it's brilliant having you both in actually because it's so it's so interesting to get the, the both sides of the story from me um so we're going to do this as a quick fire quick fire round Go. so uh ready here we go so what are the other jobs an agent does apart from pitching a book? Editor, therapist, publicist, contract manager, royalty manager, life coach, matchmaker, sales manager. Fantastic. Okay, so um, 
if you how do you keep the how do you keep an author on side? How do you walk that tightrope of not being too much of an editor as well as an agent? Because there, there must be a big kind of temptation to be both all the time. You are an editor before you sell it to a publisher. And after that, you have to let it go. You as an agent have to let it go. You you basically pass it, pass the writer, um, the, the editorial editorial side to the editor, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? But you have... Yeah, so editor first, but once it's, once it's kind of like done and you're pitching it, then you become the agent. Is that right? Um, yes. Then you, your ed, editor sort of hat takes more of a step back and you 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 left that role to the to the editor but you have to be honest that you have to be humble uh i don't i'm not perfect i don't have all the answers um my edits are suggestions and i would much rather a writer to say okay you told me to edit this way but what about this it becomes a discussion it becomes it becomes a collaboration because obviously nobody knows her novel better than sonia does and all I can, my advantage is the fact that I'm not the writer, so I'm a bit detached and I can look at it in a bit more of an objective way, if you, if you like. Yeah, I love what you said about life coach as well. Big thumbs up from me for that one, because that's so true. Absolutely. If I had to pick one, that's probably my favorite role. Wow, that's mm. interesting. Hey, maybe the, Mark, if this novel doesn't work out, then maybe I could become an agent. God help us all. Can I have first tips? <laughs> oh, an agent. Sorry, I thought you meant, you know, life coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no. I'm a life coach by, by profession. Yeah, I know. 3,000 things I do. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, I already am. But yeah, anyway. You're pushing at a um, very open door okay, there, Federico. This, this quick, sorry, this quick, this, this quick fire round has gone completely AWOL. Let's try this. Let's go back to the quick fire. Okay, really important question. Does a book agent also negotiate the rights for things like a movie of the book? Yes, either directly or with the help of a TV agent, in which case agent and TV agent or movie agent would split commission. It used to be occasionally publishers would get the film and TV rights, um, but that rarely happens these days, does it? Yeah, yeah very rarely now. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, um, top three reasons why a book is rejected that you see? Similar title in the pipeline. Uh, they have a full list. An editor doesn't respond to the subject matter in the book. Um Oh, the 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 most common one is they like it but they don't love it. Ah, but also, you have to. But as I said, you know, editors are, you know, are human. They live in 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 they live in the world, and you know, they 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 see trends. And you know, a few years ago, Victorian novels were everywhere, and now that's dipping. So they they might like it. They might like a Victorian novel, but they might decide not to buy it because that's not where the market is going how do you sway an author from their set beliefs if you feel the book's currently unmarketable because of massive potential have you ever had kind of a breakup over that particular the, the kind of mark the business the finance side of the book like it has to be saleable that's a very interesting question so when you say it's a, a book is unmarketable you, 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 it's really hard because it's one of those very vague terms. So mm. is it a bad book? If it's a bad book, no, I can't, 
you know, uh, if it's a bad book, I will try to dissuade the author and trying to get him to get her or him to write something else. If they insist, yes, that might be a reason for going separate ways, but not for any other reason other than I'm not, if I don't believe in it, it's not the right book. If it's a difficult book, so if it's a good book, but it's a difficult book, so it breaks trends or, you know, something completely new, I will make it very clear to the author that it's going to be a hard sell, that it's going to be very, very hard to sell. And, you know, we can decide together. Simple as. But if it's a, if it's a good book, I, and... As, as long as the author is aware, I will always try. I mean, that's not necessarily going to happen with the first book, is it? That's probably where an author maybe a couple of books into their career maybe wants to try something different or something a bit daring or whatever. And, you know, that could set them off course, I guess. Um, yes, it depends on very much how different, you know, and it depends on what stage they are in their career. Um, have, have they made a name for themselves or they you know, first or second book? Is it just a detour or is it a completely different, you know, direction they want to take their career on? It's at the end of the day, all that it matters is whether the book is any good or not. Excellent. Okay. Next question. Mm -hmm. Biggie. Oh dear. How much typically, and I say typically, <coughs> does an agent charge? Is it a percentage? It's presumably a percentage base. Is it on total earnings? It's a percentage, uh, yes, between 15 and 20%. Am I allowed to say this? 20, yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is quite, um, I mean, you, you, most agents I come across are 15% now. Uh, and you get some, I think with um, foreign rights it, or film rights, actually, you can get up to 20%, as I understand. That's fairly common, isn't it? So next question, in music, if you have a manager, they basically deal with all the money that comes in, they take their commission and then they kind of pay you what's left. Is that how it works with a book agent as well? Yes. Brilliant. Okay. Um, if, and that is an interesting one, if an author drops an agent, does that agent still earn the income on the books that they had published with them ongoing? Yes. Ah, okay. That's a good one. Um, how chunky is an agent's contract? Is it like one of these one pager kind of heads of agreement or is it like a 50 page document that you have to show past a lawyer? Between agent, author and agent? Yeah. In a couple of pages. Um, okay. There is no, <clears throat> there is no exchange of money and there's no uh, exchange of rights. You know, she's not granting me any rights. It's just a collaboration agreement. So it's a couple of pages long. And does the collaboration agreement actually specify X books or X time frame? No, um, no, because obviously when you take an author on, it's always with, I mean, it's always, I don't know, I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, it's always with the intent of looking after their writing long-term, their career long-term. I don't think I could, I don't think I could take somebody on just for a book. I, yeah. I would need to have, I, I need to be committed to them and to their writing and I would need them to be committed 
to their writing and to me. Yeah, I mean, the only time you might see that happen is with a celebrity autobiography where they go on with a very high profile management company. And then, even then, there's probably an agreement for two books because, you know, why sell one when you can sell three, you know, <laughs> whatever. So. Well, absolutely. It's, I like that. So it's almost like you're you're in it for life, so to speak, of the career, you know, you're looking to try to nurture that author for the life of their writing career. Is that right? Yes. There are agent-author relationships that last longer than marriages. Wow. <laughs> Are there any are there any agent author relationships that have become an actual marriage that you know of? Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. How do they do how do they divvy up the commission then? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. That would be an interesting discussion to have around a breakfast table. But okay, last question in my quick fire rounds. Is an agent also a deadline maker for the author? Before they get a publisher? Well, generally just in everything in terms of getting the book finished getting the edits done because i think that's what a publisher brings an an author where self, so i'm talking from a self-published standpoint it's one of the biggest challenges of a self-published author that they often don't have that external person like a coach who says you've got to deliver your book on this day so do you play that role as an agent so when sonia was like doing edits were you giving her deadlines were you saying i really need this edit by this day if i'm going to pitch it at this book fair or send it out no, uh, for two reasons. One, because I would like my, ideally I would like my authors to feel responsible for their own manuscripts. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't be their nanny. I, and I don't, I don't want to be, you know, this is a collaboration, you know. If, if you want to be a writer, you write without me standing over you or looming over you obviously if there's a contract in place it's slightly different because obviously you have a contractual responsibility so i might become a bit more naggy and a bit stricter uh but you know i don't have this problem with sonia whatsoever um actually she she's possibly one of the very few authors who delivers early wow um, what's your secret sonia? congratulations <laughs> Sonia, what's Fear. your secret? <laughs> what's, what's your you secret? You have no Sonia? choice. <laughs> That's brilliant. So, Sonia, tell us about your book because I'm excited to hear about the arrangement. It's coming out. Uh, you, I mean, when we're recording this, it's coming out in about eight months. If you're listening to it, it may already be out. If it's 2017, tell us, give us, give us the pitch. What's the book about? Can you do that? Maybe Federica should give the pitch. <laughs> oh, that's not fair. <laughs> um, well, it is about a young woman um, of Indian heritage from Canada, coincidentally, who's not me, by the way. And um, she is being pressured by her grandmother to have an arranged marriage or a modern day arranged marriage. And uh, that is that is the premise. It's a it's a romantic comedy. Um it's being apparently it's being pitched as Bridget Jones's diary meets Bend It Like Beckham, which I think is very, very generous, but I really appreciate it. <laughs> That's awesome. Good combo. Yeah. And and what will you be doing between now and now and it coming out? Is are you having to plan for the release or is it all out of your hands now? I'm working part time as a journalist and I am writing my second book, very early stages. Uh harder almost the second time and if, if people wanted to follow you on on social media or do you have a website that we can send people to uh yes yeah, so my website is my name uh, dot com and then i i do tweet at 
Uh, it's a bit of a mouthful, Sask in the city. I'm from Saskatoon. I live in a city. It's it's very clever, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and Federica, if people want to send you rude emails um, declaring that unless you uh, represent them, they will die, where can they send those? <laughs> Can I give a fake email address for those? <laughs> I can give the real one. No. Um, <clears throat> submissions go to submissions at martinleonardis.com. And I'm on Twitter as well at Miss Leonardis and uh, at Martin Leonardis. Have you ever had a Twitter submission in, in fewer than 140 characters? <laughs> Not yet. I'm going to try that tonight. There we go. Thank you. Um, I have a request. Oh, oh we, do we do requests? Do you, go on, guys. Can I do your one minute uh, motivation? Oh, you know what? I'd love a week off. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> Here we go. I'm going to give you an intro for it. So uh, this week, um, I'm officially on, on motivational vacation, and um, we're going to hand over the one minute motivation to none other than our agent guest, Federica Leonardis. If you're serious about your writing, take yourself seriously. You wouldn't operate on somebody having just done an evening course. So why would you think of being published writing here and there in your spare time? Take yourself seriously. Write every day. No excuses. Take yourself seriously. That is fantastic. Awesome. That, uh, that's actually how you, that's how you do a one minute motivation. Yeah. yeah. Like, take, like, take note. Not Mark. like my five minute yeah. ones. Yeah. Take note. That was, that was at least, you know, yeah. 30 seconds. That's, um, that's. You had 30 seconds to spare there, Frederica. Okay, that's I can go on. Shame. I can, I can no, no, no. go on. Do you know what? That, that's, that's what it's all about. You, it's a brilliant point. And I, I loved actually what you said about, um, you wouldn't operate on somebody <laughs> half-hearted. No, it's but, brilliant. And thank you very much for that. That's great. But, I'm glad but, but it's, also, uh, I'm glad you know, we can, can I just say something else? Can I, can I, no, can no, I? The microphone is yours. Fantastic. <laughs> I lost, I lost, I lost control of this interview hours ago. <laughs> You'll regret this. No, so something else. Actually, I'm going to make use of the other 30 seconds because um, <laughs> writers compare their first draft to somebody's published novel. Okay, we compare our behind the behind the scenes self to the to somebody else's stage persona. Why would you do that? Why would you compare your crappy oops first draft to Stephen King's fiftieth novel? How many novels has he published? I don't know. It's one hundred and forty nine, I think. Yeah, something, something like that. You know, to a novel that's gone through three, four drafts, edit, copy edit, proofreading, it, you know, doesn't make sense. No, that doesn't. Um, if you're going to do Mark's Motivational Minute, I think you're going to help us out with question of the week as well while you're here. And it goes back to what you were saying earlier. Uh, now, this is a lovely email we got um, today. Uh, just today from uh, Flavio. Thank you very much for your, your email, Flavio. And it says, Dear Marks, I have just discovered your podcast from an article in The Guardian. We're in The Guardian. Did you see that? Did you see we're in The Guardian? Did you see that? Really? Fantastic. It is so wonderful that you're embarking on this journey, inviting others along. Now, I've not before taken on the challenge of writing a novel, but have started, not finished, many short stories. Like many others, I start on an inspired idea then cannot envision their outcome or ending. I have many ideas for characters in short stories and scenes. 
Since I've not yet considered a concept for a novel, I'm not sure I'm ready for this challenge. Having said that, I'm very inspired by, the, by your podcast and The Vault of Gold. Yes, The Vault of Gold. Download it today. And therefore, want to embark on the challenge you set out. Now, for someone with no experience in writing or conceptualizing a novel, could you briefly describe the main difference between conceptualizing and executing short stories and a novel? And I think this goes back to what you were saying, Federica, about take yourself seriously. This is, this is someone who is just starting out on their writing career, their writing adventure, they're taking their first steps. I mean, my advice to them would be keep writing, keep writing, keep, because you can only get better. And maybe start with short stories. Have you start? have you, how did you start, Sonia? So I never, um, I've never written any short stories, or I, I don't think I have since I was younger. And I really just sort of took the plunge because I had this one or f I had several ideas, but this one idea that I really, I really wanted to see through. And I think the only way to do it is to go for it and to understand that maybe if you're not someone who can just sort of write and see where the story goes is that you have to, that you have to plan it. So I'm one of the type of writers that, that had to plot out a chapter that I was about to write and, and, and think, and think very hard about the overarching story I was trying to tell. So you know, I would just, if you have an idea, just keep thinking, just keep writing it down and and plan and and it'll come. I think it's interesting as well. You said you, you found an idea that, that kind of got a hook into you, you know, that you, it is something you're going to be living with for a very, very long time. So having a, an idea that if you're by the next day, if it's not hanging around, if it's not still percolating in your brain, maybe it's not quite the idea you need to go for. Absolutely. And and that's okay. You have an idea and a week later you decide that uh, you don't think you can leave, live with that idea for 18 months or whatever. And, you, you know, another idea will come along. Um, I can't remember who said the first million words you write will be rubbish. They will be. So the sooner you start writing, the sooner you hit those million words. You know, the sooner your words can get better. Yeah, I've heard the million word thing before. So Flavio, if you're just starting out, it might take a million words, but, you know, a journey starts with just a step. Uh, maybe, you know, have a go at NaNoWriMo. Okay, we're recording this at the end of November, uh, but, you know, make your own NaNoWriMo. Challenge yourself to write 50,000 words in a month. As anyone who does NaNoWriMo will tell you, they will be terrible words, but they are 50,000 words you didn't have before, you know, and you can build on that and and you can only get better. One of your guests um, said or wrote that your first draft is just as bad as it gets. Yeah. It can't be any worse than your first draft. Yeah. And if it's bad, you just start again. That's fantastic advice. I just worked out, guys, that a million words is roughly, it's about 16 novels. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> But the thing, everything counts. Your journal counts. Your journal That's counts. That's true. That's true. Can we also count all the stuff we've done since, like, you know, primary school as well? Because I'm, I'm meant to be getting this one out in a few few months. <laughs> I think actually, yes. Shopping lists don't count. Shopping lists. Oh, I do lots of those. <laughs> no, yeah. those To-do lists. No. To-do lists, no. No, no, no. Excellent Sorry. stuff. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> this, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming in today. I think this has been a brilliant setup having having an agent and an author together and we're so excited for you Sonia we hope that you have a f all the success with your with your book the arrangement and uh, and if you want to 
keep in contact with Federica as well on Twitter. She's very active with our Twitter as well, so I'm sure we'll be having lots of banter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> bestseller XP as well. So, you know, we've, we've really appreciated all of your, your honesty. And goodness me, I think for me, one of the highlights of our podcast so far is that letter. Thank you so much for bringing it in. It's <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> So please subscribe to the podcast if you want more like this. Please rate us on iTunes. That stuff makes us really visible. And leave a review. That, that We always love to hear what you're saying, and we do love the reviews. It, 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 it puts a little bit of happiness in our hearts, doesn't it, Mark? We do, yeah, but we do ask if you are going to leave a review, please don't give it less than five stars because everyone has so far. And we love you so much. <laughs> I couldn't believe No, honestly, I'm, I'm not joking. I checked it today. And I think we've had all five stars so far. So there's I one, there's one the four podcast. star, but I'm in the process of hunting that person down <laughs> and setting them straight. So don't worry, I'm on the case. And a quick thank you to our sponsor, Scrivener, uh, who it, they are the official the official, the one and only uh, writing app of the bestseller experiment. And I've, you know how I love to try and make software do stuff that it wasn't designed to do? Um, well, this week, uh, I've, I've, I've added a new chapter to our list of chapters, and I've called it the Dead Ideas Bucket. So that's what, while we're writing, and we have an idea, and it gets cut or excised from the story for whatever reason, but there's still a little something in it that I like. I put it in the bucket, and I leave it there. So when we come to rewrite, we think, wasn't there a moment where so-and-so happened, and so-and-so said this to this? And I go back and I look, yeah, it might be in the bucket, and we can retrieve it. Or what also happens is, and this is, this is an interesting exercise if you're, if you're just starting out as a writer, because it's very difficult to cut stuff. You know that, that phrase, to kill your darlings, you know, to cut those scenes that you love but actually aren't progressing the story just put it in a little bucket on Scrivener it's always there and you can always come back to it but what I always find is when I get to the end of a draft and you go look at the bucket you think actually yeah that was fun at the time but I'm really glad I cut that and that's something uh, I think would be an interesting exercise for us because we have little things that I might write or you might write and we figured that doesn't work so we just put it in the bucket and we can come back to it later but I, th- I, I guarantee nine times out of ten we'll go back and we'll say yeah, you know what? I'm glad I cut that. But it's interesting as well, because I think there's also a situation where in that we might delve into that later on and find the nucleus of a new idea yeah. that now fits. Yeah. And the fact in Scrivener that you can actually have these folders that you can just literally with a click of a button, you can go from your main manuscript to that folder and find it. If you tried to do that in something like Word, you'd have to, you, you couldn't really do it or it'd be very hard to find. So it's the accessibility of having that information all in one place that I absolutely love. But I have got a question mark. Why is it that in the, in the, in the bad ideas bucket, it's all my stuff you've cut out. I, I couldn't possibly comment on that, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But no, great idea. And I'm really glad you did that. So we want to just thank our, our sponsor, Scrivener. And if you want to try out the idea we've just talked about, you can download Scrivener for a 30 day free trial at literatureandlatte.com. Don't forget as well that if you want to download all the advice and wisdom and updated this week, we'll have all the advice and wisdom from our two wonderful guests today, Federica and Sonia. Uh, We have the Writer's Vault of Gold, which is basically how to write a bestseller. And it is huge now. We're closing in on 80 pages. Uh, This is an incredible thing. It won't be available for free forever. So do get to our website. Simply join our mailing list and you'll get a copy of that and you get updated copies every week. And check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, Bestseller Experiment, Twitter, Bestseller XP. On Pinterest, I've started putting pictures of stuff that influences us. Uh, I've just put a picture of a cake on Pinterest today. So do please check that out. Uh, that, That ties into our book. 
How, you may ask? Well, just stay tuned and you'll find out eventually. Although I've got to say, it was a kid's, it's a kid's caterpillar cake. And so I just want to put on the record that we are not writing a picture book for four-year-olds. Oh. Hungry Caterpillar 2, How to Diet for Insects. Okay, I just want to make that clear. <laughs> that was our first idea, guys, so we rejected that. Um, and we're also on Instagram at XP. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Thank you again to our wonderful guests. Goodbye, Bye. guys. Thank you. Bye. And, and we'll see you again same time next week. So it's goodbye from Mark 1. And it's goodbye from Mark 2. Goodbye. Ooh. To read Back to Reality, the best-selling novel of the bestseller experiment by the two Marks, go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash back to reality and subscribe to this podcast to get loads of extra bonuses go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash subscribe